The Metaphor Mindset is a podcast for artists and creative thinkers, entrepreneurs, and leaders who want to explore ideas around creativity and commerce. Think like an artist, work like a boss. Welcome to the Metaphor Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Borg. And this is episode one, The Setup. Hello, creative fellows. I'm Shannon, and I'm a writer, a poet, an artist, and a certified life coach. In the first episode, I'll share a little bit of my story and also share the stories of other artists, their creative processes, and ideas about how to make our art and businesses grow and flourish. Let's dive into the setup. Over several months, in the spring of 1892 and 1893, the 52-year-old Claude Monet left his beloved Giverny and traveled north to the city of Rouen, where he rented a second-floor room in a ladies' clothing shop across the street from the entrance to the 495-foot-tall limestone cathedral, the tallest in France. From this vantage point, he painted the facade of the church more than 30 times at all times of day in all different weather. Although we can't know exactly how he worked, I like to imagine his process because it helps me think about my own process and create a story and atmosphere for myself in the studio. I imagine Monet observing a ritual before dawn. He wakes up and drinks coffee. He takes a walk. He comes back to the shop and gets started. He pulls a canvas from a stack of canvases leaning against the wall. I don't know, but perhaps this one's marked 6 a.m. on the edge. He places it onto his easel and looks out the window at the cathedral, at the light, the atmosphere between him and the edifice, what he called the envelope that encompasses the artist, the object, and the light and weather in between. Monet mixes his paints. This early, it's blue and lavender to peach, a slate gray of the stone where it falls away to the ground. He works quickly over the whole canvas, finding the light and placing it, looking out the window at the teardrop-shaped doorway with all of its facets carved into the stone like stained glass or a jewel. At seven o'clock, he puts the six o'clock canvas away. The light has changed and chooses another, one he worked on yesterday at this time, placing it on his easel and adjusts his paints. Now the light is peachier and more pink. On this canvas, he works with more contrast, deeper shadows as the light stretches across the stone. When the light changes again, he pulls the next canvas, adjusts his paints towards gold and orange as the sun rises above the cathedral, stretching its light across the full face of the doorway and the walls. This is the setup. As artists, we prepare. We think ahead. We hold our hands up to frame the scene. We gather our paints, our materials. We squeeze out just what we need so we don't waste anything, but we also make sure we have enough so we're not caught wanting. We gather brushes. We wait for the light. When everything's in place, you feel a sense of calm, whether you're a photographer, a potter, a dancer, an actor, there's that moment before you start when you take a breath and begin. As artists, the setup is everything. When you can prepare and innovate ahead of time, it creates a sense 
that will be ready for the creative moment to happen with us. But with business, we often don't see it that way. We feel confounded and think, I'm not good at business, I'm not good at numbers, I'm not good at technology. If you're struggling with this confusion, remember, you're not alone. All artists have thoughts about how they work and everyone has issues around something in their life or their business. Monet had a lot of anxiety. Michael Howard in his Encyclopedia of Impressionism writes, as always, the pictures gave him intense difficulties, which threw him into despair, had vivid nightmares of the cathedral in various colors, pink, blue, and yellow falling upon him. And Monet wrote, things don't advance very steadily, primarily because each day I discover something I hadn't seen the day before. In the end, I am trying to do the impossible. When Monet had nightmares about buildings falling on him, when it was really difficult, when it took him months to get to the point where he really felt like he was making progress, he didn't pack it in. He didn't take his paints and his brushes and his canvases and go home. He was always pushing himself. He was always trying to do the next thing that was fascinating, that was interesting, that kept him motivated. It was hard, but he was all in. He was willing to feel that pain, that discomfort in order to get to the next stage. You work at your art to learn and be prepared so when the moment happens, you're ready. And it's the same in business. It's not easy and there's a lot of things that feel impossible, especially when you're just learning. But if you're willing to feel that discomfort, if you're all in with the idea that you can make a career from your art, that you can have a big exhibition, that you can sell paintings online, that you can create an installation, whatever it is, when you're all in, you're willing to feel the discomfort that comes along with growth. This podcast will explore the many ways that artists think, innovate, and solve problems, ways you may not even realize can be the cornerstones of your creative business. I want to shift now to the setup inside our heads and use this idea to look at how your thoughts ultimately create your reality in both business and art. In 19th century Paris, the academies of art had studios we've all seen in pictures and paintings. The high windows covered with curtains, the dais, the darkened room, easels surrounding the platform. Strong lighting in a controlled environment made it easier to see the differences between darks and lights to understand the value scale. I want you to think of the space in your mind. This room is your mind. The model represents the circumstances in your life. The light shining onto the model, these are your thoughts. You can light the figure to look highly dramatic. You can light the figure to look softer and gentle. As you stand at your easel, these thoughts are controlled by you and filtered through your brain into a feeling, into a frame. You hold your hands up and frame your subject onto your canvas. You decide what feeling you want to capture. And then you take action. You may start with a free gesture drawing, moving around the whole canvas at once, or measuring everything out before you make a mark. Your actions will be different 
then the person next to you, and then at the end of the class, we line up our canvases and look at the results. Your results are a culmination of all that has occurred here in that darkened room of your mind. And believe me, that darkened room of my mind was pretty dark. When I first decided I wanted to paint, I had to do it in my own home with nobody looking. I had a lot of fear and apprehension about the whole thing. I look back on it and just wonder why it was so dramatic. But really, it had been a desire that had been in my life for many years. I studied art history on my own. I studied painters. I went to galleries. I went to museums all the time. It was really a huge part of my life. But every time I tried to take an art class or draw on my own, I just felt like it was awful. So I kept trying here and there to take classes. But I really needed to finally come to the mindset that it was okay to be awful. As a child, I had wanted to draw and paint, but I really didn't like the marks I made. I really felt like I wasn't any good, like I didn't have talent. And when I wrote things, I was praised for it. It came a lot easier. So I went down that road. Who doesn't like to get praised? Who doesn't like good feedback? In art, I just felt like I was so far from anything that I really wanted to do that maybe I was just better observing instead of trying to do it myself. It wasn't until I turned 50 that I made the decision to become an artist. Not to just try to paint, try to draw, but really put all my effort into following this dream. I lived on an island. I still do. And there weren't art classes around. So what I decided was, I'll go to the library, check out all the books, learn what they have to say, and see how far I can get on my own. So that's what I did. The poet Anais Nin said, And then the day came when the risk to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. I definitely felt like that. I lived near an oyster farm and I had been involved in the food and wine business and I loved oysters and I collected the little oyster shells and I loved to walk on the beach. So I thought, oh, I'm going to start to draw oyster shells. They have to be easy, much easier than the figure. So I did. And as I drew them and tried to make very simple drawings, I realized, of course, how complex and interesting they are. And as I moved along on this path of drawing little tiny shells <laughs> and bigger shells and barnacles and kind of going into the structure of these objects, these little creatures, I became so fascinated with them that I quit worrying about how good my drawings were. And then I decided to start painting them. So I checked out every book in the library and I went through all the exercises that were there. One of my favorite books that I checked out was by Jose Paramon, full of pictures from the 1970s. 
but it was really a great primer on the basics of painting. And also I loved how Jose had all of these little paragraphs about now is the time to step back and look at your painting. Now is the time to have a cigarette and a cup of coffee and relax and enjoy what you're doing. So when I was reading these books, I really started to relax and just enjoy the process. I love Jose. He was my first painting teacher. So as I looked around for classes to take, it was really difficult to find any in my region. Finally, I found Gage Academy in Seattle, and I applied to go to the Studio Arts Intensive program. The planets would have to align. I had a full-time job, and I was planning to quit my job and go to Seattle to study art. So I saved my pennies, and when I got to a certain amount of money, I think it was $20,000 in my bank account, I quit my job. My brother luckily had a little condo in Seattle that I could stay in. He was in another country, and that condo had been being worked on. It had drywall all over the place. A friend of mine was staying there on and off. So I really kind of had to put that in motion to get that finished up, to get my friend to get his stuff out of there. And then I would drive down to Seattle, which meant taking a ferry and then a two hour drive. I drove down every weekend, stayed for the classes and then came back. And also I set up a monitor position where they would have a monitor in each class. I applied for that and that meant that my tuition was half as much. So that was really cool. With all of these planets aligning, this two year process began. I really only planned to go for a year for studio arts intensive. And I did that process. I took printmaking and drawing and oil painting and sculpture and color theory and all of these different classes. It was amazing. And at the end of the year, I, of course, realized that I just wanted more. So I applied to enter an atelier, the Trowbridge Atelier with my mentor, Kimberly Trowbridge, and I got in and I was the monitor for that class too. Every single step along this way was excruciatingly painful, but also it was amazing. It was like, I was determined to not only try to paint, draw here and there, I still felt like I couldn't draw or paint, but I just wanted to live this life. So I just kept barreling ahead. I was willing to feel the pain that was gonna take me to the next stage. And when I got down into my first classes at Gage, I was confronted with my own thoughts, with that dark room of my mind. And wow, you know, why am I doing this? I can't draw, I can't paint. Everybody here is so much better than me. What is the point of all of this? I don't have any money, I'll never make money. <laughs> you know, all these terrible thoughts, but my desire to be an artist really pushed me past that. It was so strong coming from my long held thought since I was a child that I want to be, I am meant to be an artist. 
So after two years, I still felt very ham-handed when it came to actually making art, making pictures, and knowing anything about color or line. Or <laughs> I felt like there was so much to explore. I felt like everything I did was just bringing me up to this very basic baseline that everybody else had been experiencing and living their whole lives. But along the way, I had amazing mentors, creative therapists, really, that helped me navigate my own mind, learn to manage my thoughts around the creative process. When I started, the gap between where I was and where I knew I wanted to be was so huge. So I started to rely on this idea of baby steps and breakthroughs. Every day in class, I would have a baby step. I would just take the baby steps. I would just set things up like my teacher said. I would just try to draw what I saw. I would just try to make the big shapes. I would try to mix the paints. I would try to create a palette without making a complete mess. Some days it worked and some days it didn't. And then once in a while, I would have these breakthroughs where I was just so full of this beautiful energy and felt like I had made some kind of leap forward. As I started to manage my own mind and stop whining about, oh, my palette's always a mess. Why can't I draw as well as so-and-so, etc.? I started to take ownership of my own emotions and my own process and come into emotional adulthood. I admit it was torture, but Anais Nin was right that the pain to remain in the bud was more than the pain it took to blossom, to get out of my own way, to trust the process. And it came down to this, to think better thoughts. Monet had a similar pain. In his letters to Alice, he talks about how bad his paintings are. He would rip his paintings to shreds. He would kick a hole in the middle of them. One time, apparently, he threw his paint box into the river. <laughs> and he would say things like, color is my day-long obsession, joy, and torment in his letters. Every day I discover more and more beautiful things. It's enough to drive one mad. I have such a desire to do everything. My head is bursting with it. And I would like to paint the way a bird sings. He was trying to paint the impossible. And this is what we all try to do in our art, I feel. Paint and dance and light and color. These are all languages to express things that can't be expressed in words. And of course, <laughs> this is frustrating when our lives are really centered around words and the day-to-day -day expression of language. My coach calls this the river of misery. So when we are in the river of misery, we are in that place that's between where we are and where we want to be. But as we have seen with Monet, if we are willing to feel that pain, feel the discomfort of every day just taking baby steps, breakthroughs can happen. This was an interesting process for me. 
It's a continuum. And I started choosing thoughts that served me. That original thought from my childhood that I meant to be an artist got me far. I still believe that it got me through that original river of misery in my classes where I just felt so much anxiety every day. In fact, I remember going to one of my first art classes. I was so anxious that I had to have two glasses of wine before I went. And then I had to take a jar, a little jar of wine into class with me. This was a night class, so it wasn't like I was drinking in the morning. But still, it was awful and I needed, I felt like I needed this alcohol to take the edge off of my anxiety. Of course, it didn't work and that was a bad idea, but it just shows how painful it was. And I'm sure that you have had that experience where you just want something to take that pain away. I still believe that that original thought, I meant to be an artist, got me through the river of misery until I was at a place where I could choose better thoughts. Such as, one thought that I use now is, I create a routine and schedule that helps me show up at the canvas and my business every day in joy and growth. This helps me feel like an artist. That's the feeling, like I said, that I want to have. It's a process, but it's one I love and I wouldn't change. So I want to ask you, what is your setup? How do you prepare yourself to live the life of an artist? Do you have a daily practice of drawing? Do you take a notebook with you wherever you go? Do you paint every Saturday or several days a week? I'm so curious. Next time I'll be talking about creating an atmosphere in your studio, in your business, and in your brain that will allow you to flourish. Flourish was my word of the year last year. Do you have a word for this year? By the time this podcast comes out, I may have chosen one, but I've put a little exercise, a little worksheet on my website to help you choose a word for the year. This idea of flourish for me last year was all about flowers. It was all about like blossoming and that Anais Nin quote really brought it to mind. I wanted to feel that everything in my life was growing, was blooming, was blossoming. And it really helped me keep that mentality. Again, choosing better thoughts. I hope that you enjoy my podcast. I hope that you found something interesting and fun here. And I'd like to thank Claude Monet for all of his amazing work. And even though he said, I'm not performing miracles, I'm using up and wasting a lot of paint. And sometimes he was able to choose better thoughts, like I perhaps owe having become a painter to flowers, or the richness I achieve comes from nature, the source of my inspiration. I just want you to know that you're not alone. As a coach to artists, I help you to choose better thoughts, to look at your thoughts and take stock and think about how they're serving you. I help artists set goals and think about your business as a whole, whether you want to start one 
or whether you are growing an existing art business. I coach one-on-one and I would love to talk to you if you feel like now is the time to explore a new way to grow. Have a great week. Keep painting, keep making art, keep trying new things in your business, and I will see you next week. If you're an artist who wants to sell and market your work more effectively, join us in the Metaphor Mindset Studio, an online program for artists who want to love their business as much as they love their art. Metaphor Mindset Studio, think like an artist, work like a boss.